And I'm Grace. And this is What We Wish People Knew. Welcome to this week's episode of What I Wish People Knew about how to spot the red flags of domestic violence. So one of the most common things I hear from survivors of domestic violence is, he wasn't always like this, or how did I not see this coming? And these two statements are really central to the cycle of violence and the common thread running through many abusive relationships. In this podcast, we'll examine the types of abuse and what it looks like to help make it easier for you to spot red flags of domestic violence. Before we begin, let's start with some education on the basics of domestic violence. The cycle of abuse. Although the specifics of this cycle look different for everyone, there's a general pattern of all types of abuse that follow. Stage one, where attention builds. I have often heard that this stage described by victims of domestic violence as walking on eggshells. In other words, you can sense tension building in your partner and are just waiting for the bomb to drop. In this stage, feelings of anxiety will increase and you may feel more jumpy than usual. It is important to note that you cannot control another person's behaviors, nor are you responsible for them. So I like to compare this stage to trying to write a guidebook for how to save your relationship. So often victims of abuse feel responsible for their partner's behavior, and by doing so, you're likely to feel a sense of control and reduce some of that anxiety that you're feeling. So you may be thinking, if I could just figure out what the rules are, what I'm doing wrong, then I would know how to avoid triggering them. With this in mind, you do everything in your power to please your partner and avoid things that have caused arguments in the past. Despite all your effort, however, it feels like you cannot do anything right. Your anxiety becomes worse, and you begin to notice an increase in behaviors that signify a fight is coming. These are different for everyone, but may include a decrease in communication, increase in verbal aggression, and a heightened irritable mood. At this stage, you may be wondering, what did I do wrong? I thought I was following all the rules. At this moment, you may realize that the rules have changed and you no longer know what to do. Many persons in a, an abusive relationship feel as though the rules are always changing and that there's never a right answer or solution. So after tension builds, um, this leads into stage two, which is the actual incident of abuse. So this is when an actual incident occurs. This is a good place probably for us to describe the different types of abuse. Um, I'd like to note that the presentation of this stage can look different for everyone based on type of abuse, the personality of the abuser, the physical environment that you're in, the situation, and the degree of the abusive action. So here are some types of abuse. There's physical abuse. So this is going to be any physical act that is violent, demeaning, threatening, or any act that causes physical injury or harm. This can include hitting, spitting, punching, grabbing, pushing, burning, use of the weapon of object to cause harm or pain, scratching, blocking an exit, hitting, throwing, or damaging objects in front of you, or using physical force to assert control. And then there's sexual abuse. This is non-consensual sex or other sexual acts. Um, a use of picture or videos without your consent, controlling use of birth control methods, not informing partners of known STIs or STDs, any unwanted kissing or touching, um, and also use of sexual insults to humiliate, threaten, or control, um, which surprises a lot of people, but that, that is a form of sexual abuse. And then there's 
verbal and emotional abuse. So that's potentially the most subtle and most common form of abuse. This type of abuse can be harder to spot due to its subdued nature, gender stigmas, and lack of knowledge. This consists of the following. Demeaning statements, making threats, insulting someone to establish control, lowering one's self-esteem intentionally, isolating your partner, or controlling who they can and cannot see, going through their phone, using sickness or anger or other emotions to control their partner, from leaving the house to going to a friend's house, the use of insulting names or put-downs, yelling or screaming at you, humiliating you in public, blaming you for their abusive behaviors, threatening suicide, threatening to harm you, your pet, or someone you love, using gaslighting techniques, damaging your reputation, accusing you of cheating, threatening to take children away, or controlling other parts of your life, such as what you learn. And then there is financial abuse. This is controlling any or all finances. And this can be shared finances or your own personal. Um, for example, this can be controlling the bank account, taking uh, your paycheck from work, dictating how the money is spent, or even taking out loans and credit cards in your name. There's also something called immigration abuse. This is abuse for persons who have not obtained legal citizenship of the country that they are residing in. This can include not allowing you to get a green card, threatening to report you, or using scare tactics related to immigration status. After an incident of abuse occurs, the next stage occurs. Um, so this is the third stage, the honeymoon stage, also sometimes referred to as the reconciliation stage. So at this time, your abuser will appear very apologetic, expressing feelings of guilt and shame and begging for forgiveness. Um, they oftentimes will promise to seek help, go to counseling, um, and often there is a lot of, of gift giving. So it's a taking you to a nice dinner, flowers, jewelry, a nice vacation, and so on. Um, and this leads into a period of calm, and a lot of the times people begin to think, uh, there's, there's the person that I first fell in love with. And this stage is really key to the cycle because this offers this false hope to um, the victim of abuse. So a glimpse of that person who they first fell in love with um, causes hope for change, you know, hope that they can once again be that person, and hope that the abuse has finally ended. Um, but then the tension begins to build again and everything starts over. The length of time and intensity can vary. However, the cycle is almost always the same. It is also important to note that this cycle does not always occur in this order. For this reason, you will often see the cycle drawn as a circle with arrows showing that the stages are intertwined. When we see the signs of abuse described in detail and in a direct manner, it appears as if it would be very easy to know if you were in an abusive relationship. However, it's not always that clear. You see, in an abusive relationship does not contain all the signs I've written above. An abusive relationship often consists of one or two of these things, and the abuse escalates in an insidious manner. The vignette below captures a more realistic nature of abuse relationships and how subtle acts of abuse can be. So we're going to give an example of what an abusive relationship um, could look like. Um, to give a more realistic picture, but I want to say that, that these are not real people, but it's not based on, on real events. 
Um, so let's say that Valerie and Nick, they met in college and they've been married for about five years. And Nick has always been very romantic and attentive to Valerie. And in the beginning of their relationship, he often took her to make dinners. He bought her flowers just because and would send her sweet notes and texts randomly. Um, Nick has always been a little protective of Valerie. And Valerie just thought this was because his last two girlfriends had cheated on him. Um, so he, he was got jealous easily. Um, Nick also grew up as an only child, and he did not have the best childhood. Valerie believes that some of Nick's flaws, per se, were due to his childhood and lack of good role models. So, for example, Nick had a lot of trouble communicating and expressing or managing his emotions. And when Valerie would express her concerns to Nick about this, he would respond by saying that was just how men were and how he was raised. So, after graduating college, Nick and Valerie got married. They moved into a small home in the suburbs and began their life together. After moving in together, their fights began to increase. Valerie understood that this was common for a lot of people and believed that they just needed time to adjust to living together. Valerie noticed that Nick often became irritated at her and she was determined to figure out what behaviors were annoying him. Valerie and Nick worked opposite schedules. She was a nurse and worked the night shift. Nick became began to start complaining that he felt unloved and was worried she no longer cared for him. Valerie tried to make up for this. She cooked nice dinners for him on her days off, planned fun dates, and would call him on her breaks at work. However, Nick was becoming very sad, and Valerie could tell he was lonely. Nick often told her he wished he had a wife that cared enough to be at home with him. Valerie was consumed with guilt and felt as if she was failing as a wife. So due to their opposite schedules, Nick would get really mad if Valerie would spend her days off with friends instead of with him. So though Valerie really valued her friends and wanted to spend time with them, she felt as if she was disappointing her husband enough and did not want to add fuel to the fire. And so she began to dedicate all of her free time to pleasing Nick. Um, on her days off, Nick was really sweet and attentive, and Valerie was reminded of their early years together. However, everything would change when Valerie would go back to work. Nick's gloomy mood would return, he would become aggressive with her, and Valerie was beginning to resent coming home, knowing that a fight would happen as soon as she walked in the door. So Valerie was becoming miserable, and the only solution she could come up with was to quit her job. So for a while, things were fine. Nick was ecstatic she was home, and they enjoyed spending more time together. Um, Valerie began reconnecting with her friends, and she would meet up with them a few times a week. And this made Nick really mad. He was upset that after working a really long day, Valerie was not home to make him dinner or ask him how his day went. Um, he accused her of cheating often and began tracking her phone and credit card activity. And Nick justified this by saying that it was his money she was spending and he had a right to know what his wife was doing. Things continued until Valerie was completely isolated from her friends because it just was not worth the fight. And this is when the physical abuse began, and Valerie felt that she no longer had anyone to confide in. Do you see how subtle abuse can be? It can be very hard to recognize if you are in an abusive relationship and you are not alone. I hope this helps you understand the different types of abuse and how it can look like in a real-life scenario. October is the Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and Accepting will be posting more blog posts and podcasts on this topic throughout the month. Stay tuned to learn more about domestic violence. Thanks for listening to What I Wish People Knew.